Well, we've reached the end of 2017, and what a great year it was. No one show can contain a full 12 months of review, so we broke it into two shows, first on the Meta Show, and we concluded on Talking In Stations. So enjoy this two-parter, and have a great new year. Hello, welcome to the Meta Show. I am Matterall. I'm subbing for the Matani and uh, the Big Red Boat, uh, who are both unavailable. I think Matani's stuck under some snow in a big old snowstorm in the east. So you'll have to put up with sunny California faces like Carneros and mine and Tizzy too. Let's actually uh, first get some introductions out of the way and then we'll move on to a nice year-end wrap-up for the Meta Show for this year, 2017. Okay, Carneros, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Great to be here, thank you. And Tuzzy? Hello, I'm doing well. Is it Tuzzy uh, or Tuzzy? Uh, Tuzzy, Tuzzy is what Tuzzy. I prefer, but I'm so used to people calling me either or I, I don't really uh, get upset about it anymore. It's like Tuzzy with two Zs. It's easy to remember it that way. Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta say it with a Southern accent, it's Tuzzy. Tuzzy, well, okay, those are the three guys you're seeing on camera, my, myself, Matterall, and two guests there. And off camera, we have uh, a name that you all know, Asher Elias. Hello, I'm being paid to be here, thank you. That's right, cost a pretty coin, he's worth it. And we also have another person that's worth it, Noisy Gamer with us. Hello, everyone. And finally, we have Caleb, who's been on, I guess he's doing the Grand Slam. He's been on two other shows uh, this week, but we'll, we'll leave him in here full of good information. How's it going, Caleb? Just hanging in. All right. One of the things I wanted to start with was, um, <laughs> this came to me from Drexel, I think. Uh, he's part of Goonswarm. And it was an alternate opening title to the meta show. And I was going to use it, but I thought it would be too jarring an interest. But I'm going to let you guys check it out. Uh, now because I think it's kind of funny. What I want you to do is watch this. It's K-pop uh, and see if you can hear when she says meta show. Ready? There you go. Well, it was in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're not going to use that as an opening, but it was tempting. All right, let's look at 2017. It doesn't look that impressive until you actually take a look at, you know, on paper, how much stuff was actually done this year. And uh, let's actually first hit the highlights for you guys. Uh, what was the big deal? What was the big takeaway for 2017? A lot more than it looks, definitely. Yeah. So, Carneros, why don't we start with you? Your biggest takeaway for 2017. Well, the the biggest thing to me was that they they took away the main source of Alliance income and gave it away to minors. That was the biggest to young thing people. To me. Well, no, <laughs> not those minors. Although I've heard of those. No, the, uh, the other kind, the kind that chew on rocks. I would argue that they, they, that what you said is partially true. They gave away the biggest source of Alliance income for some alliances and gave it away to minors. Not all alliances relied on Moongu as their primary source of income. What about you, Asher? 
I'd say 2017 was a pretty bad year. The year CCP sort of killed most impetus for people to fight. Uh, look at Talking in Stations six months or a year ago, the Meta Show a year ago, and you'll see, like, who were the guests back then? It was like three FCs and one other guy, right? And who have the guests been on Talking in Stations for the last, you know, month? It's been Aerith, Anominate, Tuzzy, Carneros, you, uh, you know, autocrats, people who do logistics, people who do finance. You don't have an FC on at all. Um, and it's because it's you have to do a show every week and you have to talk to someone who's doing something. And FCs aren't doing anything because CCP's killed most of the impetus to fight because it's super hard to uh, attack someone's space. But if you leave your own space, you, it's super easy to lose your iHubs and uh, be punished for it. Yeah, Fozzy Solve is... They've left it too long. They've got to do something about plus, Fozzy Solve. Fozzy Solve plus Citadel is being just oppressively powerful. Well, I, I don't I don't hate that Citadels are powerful, but it's like a seesaw, and you've got a feather on one end of the seesaw and a ton of bricks on the other. It, it needs to be some balance there. Um, they've got to, they've got to address Fozzy Sov. And it, as long as Citadel stay as strong as they are without addressing Fozzy Sov, it just exacerbates the problem. Yeah. All right. Before we get too deep into it, um, noisy, what about you? Biggest takeaway. Biggest takeaway is that somehow, despite the, the march forward towards monetization by CCP, um, the activity levels have stabilized. Um, if you take a look at the uh, average um, uh, player counts uh, on the EVE offline for the last quarter of 2017, they're a little bit up compared to the first quarter of 2015. So whatever they're doing seems to be, at least with pilots in space, being okay, but some of the complaints that I keep hearing from people, it's like there's not really anything to do or the, what there is to do isn't that good, but they've, it looks like they've staunched the bleeding. Okay. Caleb, your biggest takeaway. Lifeblood is just amazing, and getting rid of the post office is uh, awesome source. <laughs> okay. Um, here's a quick rundown of the year, and then we'll like, get into some of the bigger stuff uh, right after that. So uh, in January, well, actually, we can just do this together, right? Let's make it a conversation. January, let's go back there. So what was going on there? That was the Winter War. It just uh, either was in full swing, I think. You're talking about the, the catch war? Particularly? Yeah, it's a catch that war. That started... December, it was December yeah. 28th of last year. So yeah, it was yeah, just was... after Christmas mm-hmm. when... Um, when Test and FCON and CO2 and all of those guys came down into catch. And uh, and I don't know how would you put this, Asher. We, we stood up with Stainwagon and said, nope, nope, <laughs> not, not on our watch. Yeah, I mean, there was some of that. We, uh, we probably lacked uh, the commitment we should have had. Like, we had the super advantage, but we didn't really want to press it. I think we were still afraid at the time. So um, going back, I think we would run that war a little differently. But um, in the end, it probably worked out for better. I think probably having Tess as a neighbor has not actually been a bad thing. Um, well, I think a, 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 in back in January, if it was just Tess, we wouldn't have had a problem with it. It was the fact that CO2 was coming too is a, was our issue. Right, yeah. And that was, the, that was the biggest issue was we really didn't care about Tess, but we cared a lot about CO2. 
like behind the scenes diplomatically, like we were talking to them before they came down and we told them, it's like, look, we're okay with tests. We're not okay with CO2. So were you guys working together or was that because they denied it? I mean, a diplomats talk. It doesn't necessarily mean we're working together. Everyone's diplomats talk to everyone else's diplomats. Wait, it was two working together when I, I know what's the, what was the question? Yeah, was uh, Imperium and Test working together in any way? Not, no, we were shooting them at the time. Yeah, they were. Okay, that was just sure. after. Remember, they had just wrapped up the whole thing up in tribute and gotten kicked out. So, like, we had pretty much little to no contact with them up until that point. In fact, we were still pretty pissed at them for coming in on the side of uh, our enemies during the casino war. That's right. And wasn't wasn't that the day? Wasn't that when we had a big New Year's Day massive, like basically all day fight in in catch? Yeah, am I remembering it correctly? We lost yeah. four supers to like ridiculous DCs that were yeah. just they were getting DC'd and they were being I forgot what the mechanic was, Asher. They were warping like the super when it gets disconnected will warp back to like the last place it was or something, which was yeah, where it signed in at at the gate. It warped off a gate to the Fortizar grid, and then they would DC 20 minutes later, and when they'd log back in, they would appear at the gate that they'd been at um, before the warp had completed. Yeah. Frustrating, to say the least. A year later, though, the loss of a supercarrier doesn't seem as big a deal. No. That's why I said we, we, we've recalibrated since then, and we probably would have uh, done it, you know... Uh, we would have gone a little harder uh, in in knowing what we know now. All right, quick program note. Uh, you you might be hearing me in uh, mono now because uh, before I was just on the left ear. Can anybody confirm that? Let me know. Yeah. All right. Good, I'm glad that got worked out. Um, or if I'm still that way, let me know. So you sound stereo to me. Yeah. So what? Um. <clears throat> so okay. So we have in the in the. What do you call it? You guys called it a different war. You called it the Catch War, right? I guess it was called the Winter War and that sort of stuff. I don't stuff. think we... I don't even know if we had a name for it. I don't remember. You guys, do you name wars? Depends. It depends on yeah. the significance of the war. I think that one we just called it like the Catch Conflict or something. We never really had a name. Because it, it lasted from yeah, it was December like a week 28th long. until January 10th or something. Yeah, it was like 10 days. Yeah. Two weeks. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was and hyped. and we were we were pulling all the weight, and uh, so so that fight Asher was talking about. There was later on another fight in which we had jumped from a particular system forward uh, deeper into catch with supers and titans. Had a big fight, won the fight, and we needed to extract back to where we had jumped out of, and our Russian friends had unlined a. Sinojammer in that system without having told us and we couldn't extract our supers and, and basically everyone off <laughs> yeah and like our mat our fleet was basically trapped and could not get home and we were rushing to form caps to go and end cap that jammer so we could jump our supers back before our enemies figured out exactly what was going on and we managed to do it and get everyone out before anyone pl or whoever got wind of what the fuck was happening I think um, we, I think in that that conflict, we more than fulfilled our. Uh, uh, well, we didn't have any obligation, I would say, to to Steenwagen, but sort of you know, long term, uh, like friends with them, and yeah. we we went all in. We did our best to support them, and they gave us very little in return. 
Yeah, and and we basically like Mittens was furious. He made the call. It's like, all right, we're pulling all the weight. We're doing all this work for them. They seem to not be appreciating that or or helping us. So screw this. We're going home. Yeah, there were multiple times in that where we're like, all right, well, let's uh, you know, let's jump supers in. Where your where's your super fleet? And they'd be like, oh, oh, it's it's like four mids away. Why? <laughs> so it was it was definitely. Uh, a scenario where we were we were pulling out our air a lot, but it, it ended up not being not a very big conflict. I know a lot of people were getting hyped at the last, start of last year, saying, "Oh, we're gonna have another big Southern War," mm-hmm. but obviously it petered out um, due to, sort of to the reasons that you know we've talked about. And then obviously, you know, uh, our space back in in Delve was people were just trolling Tosis, and we were having to jump clone back pretty much every day to fight over in Tosis timers, which that really takes the you know, the wind out of your sails. Yeah, you guys were split up, so you said, oh, why not go back to our uh, usual business in Imperium instead of helping out guys that don't want to be helped? Something like that? Is that That's it. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Fair assessment, yeah. So so that allowed, what, Legacy Coalition to kind of move in and take over and get themselves settled? Yeah, so I, I stopped paying attention to that area after we pulled out and went back to Delve because we were, I was busy with logistical stuff, but uh did they were there other than stain were there other groups in those areas that that once they were done with catch and kind of moved on past catch were there other groups down in there that area that they then had to subsequently fight and push out in order to take over their territory was it just drone russian federation groups or was it other like other small random alliances uh who can best answer that I could there yeah there were there were people like tickle and other people but uh tickle yeah um remember that name tactical supremacy is what he is yeah to uh, and we well and tickle had just moved into that area because we had just finished kicking them out of delve the previous fall because tickle was in delve when we got there in august and after about a month they were had to you know evacuate from delve there were other groups, but it was pretty rotten in the south at that time. But isn't Tickle part of Legacy now? Yeah, th- what happened? What it looked like happened is that when the conflict started, uh, the Russians ki- or Stainwagon kicked out Tickle from their area in the southwest corner, and then Tickle joined up with Legacy uh, in order to get uh, space and catch again. That makes sense. I was wondering why. Uh, you know, we kicked them out of Delve. I hadn't heard from them a while, and then they showed back up on the map and catch, and they seemed to be friendly with Test. Yeah. So what was the result of that war? Because that kind of settled the area a little bit. At least the result was that, yeah. that Legacy, you know, moved in and ha- and still and is still there, you know, a year later. Um, and they pretty much, you know, solidified that as their home. The, uh, the, the current stance of Legacy you know, minus FCON, minus CO2, is I think a year later exactly what we wanted to have happen. <laughs> Last December when they were moving in and we thought, oh, FCON is coming and CO2 is coming as well. Uh, uh, how about we, we you not bring them and then you can move in just fine. So the fact that FCON is gone now and CO2 gone now, is gone now, I think is the original goal that Goonswarm wanted <laughs> last December. It just took a year and a slightly different route to achieve the same objective. Yeah, I mean, that was a real question 
from outside of the Imperium, like, are you guys, are you guys going like, oh, FCON's moving south. They're in cro close proximity. Are you guys going to crush them? A CO2 is there. Are you going to crush them? Like, what are you guys going to do? When you started helping Stain, we thought, yeah, they're getting some revenge. And then it kind of fizzled. Uh, and then they kind of got established. So we thought like, huh, maybe the Imperium isn't, you know, willing to fight a big fight right now, or they don't have the uh, ability to project outside of their home region at the moment. When CO2 folded, we were we were about a month to a month and a half away from invading them. Oh, is that really? But yeah, so that that kind of robbed us of that. But and, and so it was it was sort of a disappointment to me. I would have preferred to actually have you know physically kicked them out. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Eric. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, so we were we were close to invading them. Fcon, uh, you know, we talked about it, but it's just like I mean, you saw how quickly they folded, and we knew. We would just announce the deployment, move everyone, and, and then they would be gone. And, and like they wouldn't put up a fight. So it was sort of like, well, we can kill FCON anytime we want. We'll probably do it after we fight CO2, and there'll be a lot more, you know, uh, exciting. Yeah. All right. So this is about January. The, uh, well, I don't know if it was called the Winter War by some people. Other people call it the Catch War. Whatever. So that conflict winds down. Test kind of gets what they said they wanted, which was a place they could actually build a super capital fleet, which was their goal. They stated it publicly. Uh, and CO2 looked stronger than usual because they had survived that transition and FCON was sitting there too. So it looked like, hey, this is a legitimate area for some heavy-duty uh, alliances to start building their homes. Uh, and so that's that's kind of the end of January. So we move on to... The aftermath of that in February. Um, I'm trying to remember what happened in February or March. Well, a lot of this probably, you know, runs in there. I think a lot of the oxygen was being taken up by CSM uh, elections and stuff like that, at least in the metasphere. Yeah. When when was um, when was FanFest again? That's not till March. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, FanFest okay. Fan was April, and in March was the Plex change. Right. Okay. So what what the Plex stuff was announced at Fenfest? No, it was there was a there was a, a dev vlog in um, March that that announced that it was going to happen, and I think it happened at the end of March. There was a a, a release there because I remember that there was a big spike in um, in not only sales but in price because the. I guess the psychology for the price of Plex kind of like changed. Yeah. I'm just trying to remember what well, we were doing internally with in, regards to like, say, Lifeblood later in the year well, with February, how early we knew some of that stuff. In February, you had Burn Jita going, uh, which knocked out. Oh, yeah. How was that? Well, yeah, that I forgot about that because we did that way early this year. So we came out of the catch war and went straight into Burn Jita in February a couple weeks later. And that was very successful, if I remember uh, we pushed. We basically met or beat previous year's Bernjita numbers. And this was like your Bernjita for kids, which was uh, oh yeah, BJ for kids, and, yeah, <laughs> right? So that was invented right here on the Meta Show. A boat or somebody gave it yes. to boat. Yes, boat. And, went yeah, nuts with it. I think and you're you're right, Chelsea. I think uh, the Cabal was actually investing already in February and March. Yeah, well, I, uh, Cabal was investing way before then but i'm i'm trying to remember when i first got eyes on a screenshot which i think showed up on reddit it was an imgur link on reddit that showed tatara and athanor blueprints and their structure component 
counts, like what, what, how much of each component, which then gave us the missing puzzle pieces of the equation of how much are each of them going to cost and thus how much, based on those components, how much PI and minerals do we need to build, say, 200 Tataras or something like that. I forgot what the exact number was. And when we, we had a discussion about that and we arrived at the number that we thought we would need, worst case scenario, we began buying that much PI. So we had all of the PI and minerals we needed bought six months before the patch hit. We were already ready to go. And we bought them at good prices before the prices inflated. Yeah, the moon market moved a little bit before uh, the whole uh, uh, recipes came out. And I do yeah. think that you're right. It was about March, mid-March or something like that. March or April was when I first saw it. Um, and we really started buying in May. And I think by like July, we were done buying. Yeah. All right. So you had a successful, um, I'll just say it because I'm on the meta show and that's what coined the phrase uh, BJ for kids, which was a joke. Uh, it turned out to be a huge success in the order of uh, over 750. And I, I also matter all, I, I don't want, I hate to cut you off, but I think during this time, the whole um, care for kids Citadel network was being pushed in the meta yeah. a lot. And those were right. being dropped like that. There were maps being published on Reddit showing um, when the, you know, where the Citadels were going to be and advertising, here's the network you can use to go and buy and sell supers and stuff. And when did the IWANIS people get banned? That was the year right before that. Right. Yeah. This so, was this was their last attempt to keep the money flowing. They thought they could create a group of citadels that everyone would use, basically like little genius, and they would tax them. And so they were going to invest the money into that and and say it was for charity was the way to get them up. So this was the trade yeah. network, right? The New Eden yeah. trade network. Yeah. Yeah. The whole for kids thing was just a big joke in order to well, prevent they, people from attacking them. they had something else going on because uh the the group or the guy that sponsored care for kids was a part of Rekoku, uh a longtime uh member of pl and they had some inner conflicts going on at that time as well so they were in trouble inside of pl as well in fact they actually got booted out of pl they joined nc for a short time um Said, and by this time, the Care for Kids guy is out of uh, Reikoku. And then Reikoku, inside of NC, says some stuff publicly that gets leaked or whatever, and they got kicked out of NC as well. And now Reikoku, I don't know where they are. They're dormant right now. But so they uh, were... Burlington also mentions in the chat that uh, right before Burnjita was when the big ruse happened with the code guy claiming that he um, robbed code and therefore it was going to prevent the, the burn Gita from happening or something like that. And that was all just a, a ruse to, you know, uh, make the puppies think something was not going to happen. That was going to happen. Yeah, it was all ruse to, to get the BJ for kids going. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, so that ends up, and you guys were kind of intense conflict, at least psychologically with uh, care for kids. I mean, you guys were very much against them. You saw this as something that was a clandestine way of, um, putting power centers near your territory, and you guys uh, reacted to that badly, right? Yeah, it was all. It's, that was actually was um, uh, a shut up and shave from uh, Mercenary Coalition. Also known as Suez. Suez was heavily involved in this, and mm -hmm. therefore we were opposed to it. Well, former he's a former goon and a very uh, famous player. And you guys, what's your relationship with him now? Non-existent. No relationship. 
No, we don't really talk. I mean, diplomatically, we don't talk to them. I, mean, I don't. Know. Does he still play? I haven't heard about Suez for a long time. Every time I hear about Suez, he he's like very AFK and he doesn't play at all. And then he'll come up and be very active for three or four months again. And then he drops off and no one hears from him for a while. Uh, he, he was, was a on, recent guest. Yeah, on Talking in Stations, he was on with uh, MC and uh, other old players from uh, Mercenary Coalition. But let me take you back to that time, because there's something I wanted to ask you uh, guys in Imperium and how you felt about this. Uh, you're in the middle. I'm going to take you all the way back to, um, I guess it would be during or right after the Casino War, uh, known to other people as World War B. And CCP awards DJ uh, Darius Johnson, former CEO for Goon Swarm, the Alliance uh, Goon Swarm. Um, what did you guys think of that move and the kind of stuff that was going around there, too? Did CCP award it to him? Yeah, I mean, someone yeah, at CCP could. gave it to him. Yeah, he petitioned and was able to get it. Keeping in mind that he knows his way around the petition system at CCP as a former employee. Okay, I was unaware of that. I thought all along that it was just um, because that corporate latch or something ended up back in PL or affiliated with PL. And to me, it well, looked the, like just a PL alt corp ruse thing to try well, to scare two- people out of Gunwaf. That's right. There were two points to it. One was that PL owned the alliance name, I think, but the corporation name belonged to uh, someone that was no longer playing the game. So it was stuck. And so when uh, DJ asked for it. Cartoon had it, right? Yeah, Cartoon sat on it. Yeah, Goon CEO. So there was two points. I remember when it happened. We we were not pleased at all, to say the least. We had had, uh, obviously requested it multiple times before, and it was obviously clear that we were the like the successor group to that. And so if anyone should have got it, it should have been, uh, you know, Goon Swarm, but we didn't. And then they gave it to uh, to Darius, who promptly did nothing with it, and now it just sits unused again. And it also was very suspicious that it happened in the middle of the Casino War, which CCP Manifest was doing his best to try to brand as World War B, and it looked like a very coordinated effort within CCP to capitalize on a war against goons to drive up sub numbers and at the same time try to coalesce all the galaxy together to kill off goons which is something ccp wants to happen because they hate us and that ccp comes in and does the very biased thing of handing our enemies our old court name which we had petitioned for multiple times to get looked like really corrupt well and that's what seemed to strike me the the chord that ccp was um doing this because it seemed like they were trying to fracture out they're trying to fracture goons by splitting the old goons with the new goons kind of thing and yeah and all of like 40 people joined them and most of them were people that were like the flakiest wishy-washy people that you wouldn't count on to do anything anyway but i bring this people who didn't play and they said oh we're gonna come back and have great times again and they played for a month barely i i know of at least five or six of those guys that came crawling back to us a couple months later when they realized that it was all just a big joke well, and this was interesting, I thought, and I wanted your take on it, because Suez was kind of part of that. He'd broken off, uh, Andy had broken off, uh, Blarf had broken off, and yeah, DJ had broken off. So he had these old names, goon names, kind of breaking off, criticizing the new goons, saying they're too corporate. Uh, they're not fun and, uh, you know, adventurous like we were. And CCP kind of endorsed it by handing him back the authenticity of a corp name, the goon swarm. Uh, but you also had PL kind of endorsing and even bankrolling that movement. Did you guys see it as a threat, like a meta meta threat? Yes. And, and you know, it looked like 
to me, it looked like CCP was trying to get one of these big publicity wars, which we know drives subscriptions. Like, you can ask people, why did you join EVE? And, like, 50% have one incident they read about, and they're like, oh, that game sounds cool. I should check it out. And I joined it. And so CCP knows it drives subscriptions. But I, I guess they thought it would it's easier to set up a, a narrative and, and push people towards that war than actually fix the game so that such a war could happen. Um, and, you know, it, so World War B never panned out. Like, it, it didn't, like, they pushed that narrative and, like, yeah, we lost Declan, but there was there was no giant fights. There was no, you know, BTAC-R. The reason we didn't have any big fights and we didn't, like, the PL and NC and all of our enemies were, like, you know, you see today in comments on Reddit or in local every time there's a fight, oh, goons don't undock their supers. They wouldn't fight us in Casino War. They gave up. Um, the, the, like, they really, really, really wanted us to, like, put everything on the table and just, like, you know, Sparta 300 you... and suicide off of a cliff. And we, you... we, I mean, can they, they, I know, can you blame them? They want to yeah. fight. But at the same time, we, we saw the numbers. We knew it was just pissing into the wind to do that we would have lost there was not a no question and at the same time the narrative that ccp was doing where they were basically formerly sponsoring the war naming it a name that would antagonize us and encouraging everyone to fight us we said fuck you we're not going to be your marketing campaign to drive up sub numbers at the expense of our our group that would kill us it's turned out to be the right choice i mean we could have we could have, you know, done a 60 VT and like put our alliance back five years, like tested, which took them forever to rebuild from. Or we could have did, did what we did and rebuilt within a year to the point where we're in a much better place than we were ever in Declan. Yeah. So one last thing on that, when you guys are looking at that fight, you can't win. There's too many people coming. Logistically, Tizzy. Oh, actually, we'll go around the board with Carneros, Tizzy and Asher. You three guys all represent a different part of it. Um, we do. So uh, what, when the writing was on the wall, what were you thinking? And because I imagine you're looking at a huge retreat, huge logistical problems, huge military problems. Let's start with you, Carneros. What, what did you think? I, I am the leader of a tribe of people in this game. And my objective is what is the best long-term decision I can make for my tribe so they can continue to enjoy EVE Online over the long term what's the best long-term decision i can make that's what's going through my mind yeah and tezzy were you like holy crap that's a lot of stuff i gotta move well in the short term the immediate concern was let's get all of the let's get all the alliance assets to safety to low set bpos uh stuff that's not easy to you know research bpos uh the worth hundreds of billions of isk um enough hardware and fuel, jump freighter fuel, fuel blocks, POS hardware, shit we need to pick up and go start somewhere else, uh, alliance assets like jump freighters and rorkels that we keep spare, like all sorts of, of uh, moon goo, lots of moon goo, stuff like that. Let's get it out and get it safe. Uh, because in lull and low sec, no one can do anything to you. You know, they can, yeah, sure. They can hell camp you, but eventually they'll get bored and log off or go somewhere else. And then you can just undock and leave. So uh, we we quickly consolidated everything into. I'm not going to talk too closely about this because lull. We you know it's Eve and 
five years from now, we might find ourselves in Declan again, and I may have to use the same route. But we found a particular route out of Declan that inexplicably on a map looked like the most obvious way out that everyone should have clearly seen as the way we were going to take. And as best as we can tell, no one ever got wise to us using it. And we including FCON. Yeah, including well, yeah, including FCON, despite the fact that we <laughs> fucking all right, this whole FCON taking fucking supers and titans out of branch through northern Declan, we told them repeatedly, we told FCON leadership, go this route. There's a safe route over here. Take this. And I think their leadership used it themselves and they were too scared to tell their line members because they were afraid if they told their line members it would leak to spies and therefore Peel and NC would notice and stop them from taking that route. So they withheld the information from their line members. The leadership got their shit out and their line members you know, took the dangerous route, lost all their stuff, and then they lied to their line members saying, oh, goons, get and tell us a safe route to get out. And we're sitting there laughing at them like, you dumbasses, we told you the right way to go. Why are you still taking supers to this fucking gate? Uh, uh, nice. <laughs> a little frustration there. Yes, uh, but but like we got we got our stuff out of Declan through a very safe and obvious route. Uh, all of GSOL came together. We evacuated something like 200 million M3 worth of materials and hardware uh, in uh, uh, like a week. We did it fairly quickly. Um, we got everything out and safe. And then it was once we were in low sec, it was just sitting there like okay. We've done our job. Our shit's out. If you need a post drop, let me know. Otherwise, you military guys have fun. Do what you need to do to fight in Saranen. And, and then for a while there, I was dropping citadels in Saranen to like bait fights every night and stuff like that. But finally, we made the decision around about May, I think, Asher, that like, okay, we just, this isn't going anywhere. We need to leave. Let's find another region. And we picked Delve. And then it took us, a, we had to keep the that secret from our people for almost another month while we set up a citadel network to get everything prepared to move. So like we had already made the decision in mid May or so late May. And then we didn't have everything ready to go to start moving until early July. Honestly, Saren was really fun. Like you could undock at any point and just get a fight. Um, but yeah, we had to basically one of our things was, you know, there was a point where we're just like, yeah, Hey, this war is unwinnable. So what do we do now? And we, uh, one of the things we decided was we're just going to tire them out. Like, you know, we'll undock hurricanes then they can shoot us. We can shoot them. We can try various winds. Um, but we, we didn't want them following us. So we wanted to like, we wanted to give enough uh, time passing before they would come down and, and chase us. So we had to sort of, it, this sounds ridiculous, but we had to strategically wait. It was, it was, it was mm -hmm. kind of silly, but it worked out because in the end, only test uh, came down after us to uh to delve with a prograd legend deployment and that uh that failed pretty miserably yeah and the before that oh. though you guys are actually sorry does it you guys are actually learning things about how uh how to take out uh force auxiliary machines because you guys extracted extracted uh, some pretty heavy damage out of pl just killing their uh, fax machines or, or I mean, we tried our best it was it was an unenvious position as me of like if you're the head fc people expect you to win and, and i'm sitting there looking and saying like I've inherited this war where I have essentially zero chance to win. Like it's like, oh, you can fight a war, but you can't have supers, you can't have titans, and you can't ever use capitals really, or you'll get you'll get dropped on unless they're totally unawares. So it was a it was a really tough uh, tough like war to be sort of the head of C4 mm -hmm. in that you know like I want to win, people want you to win, and I still I still like get like crap from random puppies like about about losing a war, which I had no shot at, at winning. So 
Uh, it did take a toll. It, it, it hurts. It hurts the narrative you're trying to uh, to tell during a war, like the propaganda, when all the moderators of the Eve subreddit are fighting on the other side of you and are uh, and are shadow banning your members and down and uh, moderating your thread so that they won't appear on the top page. Yeah, um, there were a lot like, of deleted threads. Like there if, was, if you want to fight, they, and I put up a, a post, it would get deleted. In Gorski Car and Durher Dur were specifically like pulling out the Reddit Eve subreddit rule book and going, well, in subsection C of rule 10 of paragraph B, it says you're not allowed to make a post like this. So this thread gets deleted, but the next pandemic, le 10 to pandemic legion posts that all violate the same rule. Those just get overlooked and sit on the front of the top, top of the front page for two days. Like the, it was as if we were trying to communicate what was going on in the war on Fox news when we were Hillary Clinton. Like it, it, it just, it just wasn't going to work. And at that time, you didn't have a moderator that represented uh, anyone in the Imperium. Yeah, it's a little better these days. Uh, most of the shitlers that are still moderators that are really against us are pretty AFK from the game right now, like Gorsi Karndarherter. But fuck yeah. you. <laughs> I just took a picture of, I guess there's a Discord for r slash Eve. And I took a picture of the moderators and they're all either absent or playing different games. Uh, none of the moderators for r Eve are playing Eve. Yeah, the the uh, if there was justice in the world, uh, pretty much all of the moderators in our Eve would get kicked out, wouldn't be moderators anymore, and we'd get some active people in there who actually play the game as moderators. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. So you guys are, so you've made your way. So let's go back to. So you made your way south, but we we'll pick it up back in 2017. You guys have already landed in Delve. You guys started building. You guys try to help out an ally in early 2017. Uh, not much happens in February except Bernjita, which is very successful, and it was the BJ for Kids one. So you over 750 billion in damages comes along, and then March comes along, and they make these Plex announcements. Well, let's back up to February for a second. Sure. The CSM got reduced from 14 to 10 members. That was a big deal. Hmm. That cost was, was it really though? Why, why, why was it? It big cost the Bastion our representative. We uh, would have been we would have been number 11 if it weren't for what? that. What was the reason for them doing that? Was it just like a cost-cutting thing of not no, having to fly that many people to Iceland? Not from what I heard. It wasn't it wasn't an issue of money. It was an issue of people in the room, I think. It was probably too sweaty and smelly with 14. <laughs> I don't know. But it could have been. Something. It was. I've been in that room a few <laughs> times for hours and uh, it, uh, uh, on the uh, other side of the table. And it was occasionally warm and stuffy. I, the more sure. people you add to any discussion, the less time there is to for each person to give like cogent thoughts and and I, so I can see how 14 is maybe too many for that. Yeah. I, I think the reason, okay, originally you had, it was like you had 14 people with like five alternates and nine people that would go to the, uh, to the summits in uh, Reykjavik. And then after a while it was like, okay, everybody's going to be a full member, but we can only bring like the top 10 or, or nine vote getters. And then it was like, we want to bring everybody to be fair. And then we still want to bring everybody, but 14 was too many to bring in the fit in the room. And so I think that's the progression of how it got down to 10. Mm, okay. Whatever. Thanks for pausing for that for a moment. Yeah, it's no problem. So Sullen Decimus would appreciate it. Yeah. Is he running this year? I don't know. He hasn't said, he hasn't said anything yet. Okay. All right. So March comes along. They make some big announcements here. They say that, uh, Plex is uh, going to change, and uh, they talk about uh, the refineries that are going to be coming. 
That's when they first did the big refinery deadlock, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, yeah, right. And then they uh, also talked about Rorkel nerfs and fighter nerfs, which caused... Uh, oh, yeah, the ratters to yeah. get upset. So, yeah. That was the last of the Rorkel nerfs, right? Or was that the first? No, the that first. was the last of the Rorkel. I thought there was one back in the winter, too. There was. Like there, I think there was oh, yeah. three, I think so. It was, this was the middle one. It was okay, a special so, yeah. present for uh, stealth bombers where they made all of the excavator drones really fat and really slow. Ah, uh, yeah, this is that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did that, what did that look like on the ground with you guys? Uh, what was going on there? I remember one of the nerfs. I think the first nerf I, because uh, I do Oracle Mining too, the first nerf I just said, ah, I don't care. I'll just keep going. And the <laughs> second nerf, it, it was... Uh, such that the math worked out that if I simply add, I, I was mining with three Oracles at the time, and if I just added a fourth Oracle, it complete it increased me by the same amount that the nerf happened. So I just did that, and it was back to normal. And then the fourth uh, nerf, I kept it at four. But uh, I mean, it's still uh, it's still good income. Mm-hmm. Didn't affect you much because you just added more characters. Oh, I just I still am at four, but some of the guys, some of the hardcore multi-boxers do like, I don't know, 10 or 20. Yeah, well, the, the upset was more about the fighters nerf, and there was all kinds of different reasons for it. People were saying like, hey, you're affecting our PvP to nerf PvE behavior. Uh, it, it was really uh, yeah, when you, from different angles. When you knew something like that, you're going to, I mean, you're nerfing the fighters simply to hopefully decrease riding bounties, but that affects all sorts of other stuff too. Right, and so this adds up to the beginning of, along with ghost training and other things, as we'll see a little later on, right before the summer, the what we call the the spring of discontent, because uh, people got mad and that sort of thing. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But the other things that are going on here is uh, CSM is happening, uh, anger games happens, uh, CO two declares war on the Imperium, which was kind of funny, but uh, but. That- not unexpected that the result of that war was for like, I think a whole 10 to 14 days, five or 10 CO2 guys showed up in Delve and AFK Cloggy camped us. And then after about four or five days of them doing this, we realized that they never actually were lighting cyanos or dropping anything. So we ignored them. So that was that war. Okay. Not much of a war. It, it, no, it wasn't a war. It was just like uh, a big announcement by GigX to, I guess, make his people think he was doing something and then nothing ever happened. Yeah, like uh, what, what's going on here at this time, too, is I think, uh, uh, I don't know if maybe it's a little bit later on, Providence drops, uh, unsuccessfully drops a keep star uh, and uh, gets it blown up. And there's all kinds of little things going on. But as far as state of the war, it got blown up. Up. But was it unsuccessful? Uh, depends on what they you made mean. a pretty cool statement for yeah. you know, first time anyone started uh, a, a new set of aggression. Sorry about that in the background. Fuck. <laughs> it's all right. It's construction or something. Yeah, it's. I'm sorry. Is there significant other backing up, Carneros? Yeah, watch out. Don't let him back up over you. <laughs> keep stars backing up right now, please. <laughs> Putting the keep star in place. Uh, yeah, so you have uh, April rolls around. You have um, the, uh, let's see. I guess you have FanFest that hits, right? That was about April. Yeah. And FanFest, then- people are talking about the Plex changes and the, you know, there's still some upset about the fighter changes. That's what's going on inside of FanFest. Noisy, you were there, right? 
was there a fan fest this year? I don't remember yeah. anything about yeah. it at all. Yeah, there there was a fan there was a fan fest, but it wasn't very exciting. I think I hung around with Caleb and well, that's, all the financial that's why it wasn't people. Exciting. Just kidding. It was yeah, it was like I was hanging around with Caleb and all the financial people, uh, and going around because there wasn't it wasn't they, it wasn't exciting. It wasn't as um, as uh, there wasn't as much content as there had been in in previous years, but we get to we got to meet the Great White Hope, uh, CCP Noir. Oh, uh, is a more of a Great Brown Hope, uh, countryman of mine. Yeah, but then it's not a, the same expression, right? Right, it's, right. Yeah. I was trying to do a Jean Claude Van Damme thing, but uh... wait a minute. I thought I thought Naguel was from uh, Brazil. He is, yeah, but you know whatever. It's Latin. But yeah, we got to pick his brain in the smoking tent. That was kind of interesting. Right. He arrives, and I think he's a marvelous dev. A lot of big thinking going on with him. Uh, the funniest thing I heard about him was that they wouldn't allow him to be in the same room with Hilmar because their their brains would just go in these crazy places, and you know they wanted to keep expectations down. So some funny stuff coming out of there. Uh, but yeah, new game designer arrives. He's at FanFest having a great time. Caleb, you were at FanFest too. What was it like? I think it was amazing. Great fun and some fun stories with goons and, yeah, with stealing the CO2 flag. And, yeah, yeah there's many, many, many small things happening there. It was fun. This, the flag wasn't stolen. It was just somebody left it on the floor someplace. It got picked up and it just wound up in the Matani's hands. Yeah, but that's not as interesting as an actual theft. We're rewriting history here, and they're gone, so they can't say anything. I think the funny Isn't thing that true was of money that, left like, in a bank, like they, it was just on the floor, and someone took it and <laughs> left with it. I think the funny thing about that was like at FanFest, we found a flag and took some pictures with it, and then went and found CO2 and gave it back to them. And the CO2 was very happy and cordial, and it was not a big deal. And then it got posted on Reddit as goon steal CO2 flag. And then there was like a pitchfork and torches mob about wanting to call the police and arrest goons for stealing and vandalizing property and just how frothing at the mouth the puppies can get about that. Yeah, I had, my experience with FanFest was they, they had uh, Manic Velocity and um, uh, CCP Guard out and they were doing the whole you know introduction and stuff like that. And they said, guess who's here in the biggest number? And uh, Manic Velocity said, it's the alliance that everybody loves, Goon Swarm. And I just thought, like, that's kind of a setup for failure. You know, it's like a setup to boo or to cheer or whatever. And I thought it was kind of a uh, just not a very nice way to host. You know, if you're going to be a player host, you're representing the company there and stuff. So I made a tweet about it, and, and it kind of became a little bit of a stir. So when the, when the, flag, sto when the flag was stolen or borrowed or picked up off the ground and given to Matani so he could pose with it and deface it. Um, it seemed to me, or I got a message from the judge who was super mad that I had um, kind of criticized. Fake mad. Fake mad. Yeah, I guess. That, you know, it's like, hey, why aren't you tweeting about this? Look what they're doing to our flag. And so I was like, yeah, uh, you know, uh, goons shouldn't deface uh, CCP property, basically, or something like that. And then I heard about it from the Imperium side. So that was my experience with FanFest. Yeah, there was there was a couple people that were upset with you behind the scenes. Oh, I know. They let me know, too. All right, so that's FanFest. Not much was really announced there. I think they did put out, um, I think CCP Ghost said, here's our new marketing position. We're going to 
make the new player experience, like when you enter the game, you're going to enter it and we're going to cement the idea that you're part of a ship. And they did a whole video based on that. Uh, and it seemed to get a warm response. Um, but And we got the demonstration of uh, the new project discovery. So the swap from the old one to the new one. Yeah. And so that just wasn't like, I think FanFest felt like, uh, wow, not much. It was basically a year in review kind of thing. So that was that. And then we went on to, um, let's see. So that was April, right? And yeah, right. What we have in April. So CO2 uh, did, a, did a war against you guys. Not much happened there. Uh, then in April, the, uh, let's see. The largest dread bomb that's ever been seen, PL dread bombs, 350 billion isk of Rorkles, all belonging to Gara's sniper. And that was happening. Oh, yeah. Gara's. Is that when you guys were having the state of the Gunion? And, and no, the that was so. So the state <laughs> of the Gunion was later in the fall. Okay. Uh, the day that we were announcing we were going to Hakonan. And there was some there was some Russian guys in Brothers in Arms that were mining while the state of the Gunion was going on. And because they were Russian, as best we could tell, they weren't on Jabber. And they weren't on Mumble, and they had no idea we were about to deploy, and had no idea a state of the union was even happening at the moment. And and thus, so that when they funny. got dread bombed, they had no way of getting on comms to ask for help. They were just completely checked out. Yeah. Uh, and so so the Gara's thing was Gara was this famous um, multi boxer that it was multi boxing with like what sixty or seventy oracles or something, just an obscene amount of oracles, and he was. Uh, uh, he happened to be on that day, either right before or right after downtime, at a at a particular time zone in which it was difficult for there to be a critical mass to quickly get there to help you. And they were basically hunting specifically Gara, and they had figured out what system was he was in and had everything ready to go. And they pulled the trigger and dread bombed, and there was not much like we most of the senior Goonswarm folks found out about it after hours after it already happened. Like we were all asleep. And there was yeah. not many people online to come and help him. And but you're really wiping out personal wealth at that point, right? So yeah, I mean, yes, it was a massive loss, but it was like one guy, and he was probably one of the richest players in the game. And he, he, like, I think within a month had replaced almost all of the Oracles by himself. Like, he, he was having problems. The thing that slowed him down replacing them is he couldn't find enough Oracle blueprints to build right, them fast enough. I could have sold Gara myself. once showed up, joined Reavers, showed up to a deployment and brought 30 Ishtars. <laughs> just, wow. just anchored on me, dropped them in a signed drone. So we had 30 Ishtars. It, it didn't work because we were warp a lot, but it was a good idea. A good attempt. Apple Pear is saying in, in chat, it was just after downtime. And after downtime, Pandemic Legion logged back in their dreadnoughts. And we actually killed a decent amount of their dreadnoughts after downtime. Too. Yeah, I believe that uh, cash was left there. Uh, after test came down chasing you guys into Delve, uh, they were all parked there. I believe they belonged to ProGuard. ProGuard gave them over to PL, and PL used them to bomb. Uh, yeah, well, there, there's a lot of groups that have had dread caches stashed in yeah. NPC Delve and other NPC space too yeah. for a long time that's just been sitting there dormant. Yeah, have you ever thought about how much more we'd mine if we didn't live on NPC space? I mean, that's going to be a lot more, but it would be pretty funny if we lived in another region. Like drone regions, yeah. Oh yeah, or ambassador, one of those where you have to mid. Yeah, right. Well, what happened to that Gara guy? Because didn't he get didn't he get canceled? He got uh, uh, banned for doing bad stuff. 
Yeah, later in the year. That was many months later. Yeah. Now, I did he get banned by CCP or did he just get kicked out of Goon Swarm? No, he got banned by CCP. For what? I, I, I mean, I've just heard secondhand, but I think it was for. Oh shoot, Asher, do you remember what the exact reason was? Input multiboxing. Yeah, input multiboxing. Like he had, he had. I think written a petition to them or something many 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 months before and asked them if if i'm if i'm doing x is that okay is that violating the rules and some random gm had responded saying no that's okay and so gara took that to mean oh i have a get out of jail free card this gm once told me this was okay and then later they banned him for that and he's like but but this gm said it was okay and they're like we I don't care what that gm told you that one of some on a time a year ago you know we're selling you right now that's not okay Kunmi ate a ban for like a month for he he was one of those guys who used to multi-box eight bombers or two two squads of bombers. They, they might not know him as Kunmi. Do you know Odell? Odell, Odell, yeah. Oh, Odell, yeah, yeah, the bomber. Yeah, and um, and he he was like the only one who figured out uh, how to do it without input broadcasting. Yeah, and he doesn't use this boxer. He just all tabs and clicks fast. And he would yeah, and so he was bombing people, and he would. He sent a video of him doing it to CCP, and they uh, they said okay, you know, whatever. And then um, he he was bombing people, and they would he get petitioned like every time he bombed for multi boxing because yeah, he, was, he was really fast at it. He just he mapped his like alt tab to a single key and 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 just went through the bombers that way. And um, the, the shitty thing about that is that you know Moa, Mortis Angels, they're yeah. like the shittiest alliance in the game. And Odell was killing Moa every single day. Moa would send fleets into Declan, and like clockwork, you know, oh, it's six o'clock. Moa just lost another fleet to Odell, bombing them on a gate. Like he would do it every single day. And Geneve would tell his entire fleet of like 30 or 40 people to all file petitions against Odell for multiboxing. They were filing petitions every single day. And those petitions would be handled by all sorts of different GMs. And they I, they just called a GM one day that said, oh, yes, he's multiple multiboxing banned. Or I suspect CCP got sick of receiving all the petitions and just banned him whether or not he was guilty just to get the petitions to stop coming in. Yeah, because that guy could take out a, a battleship fleet on his own. Yeah, he was good, though, but he wasn't violating the rules. He was the, one of the only people that was doing it completely legit. And because of just... Uh, troll shitlers who were spamming ccp with petitions well, the climate to ban for the climate was really against bombers too because uh, bombers yeah. were holding down now, their metas now bombers are nerfed to the point where they're almost worthless <laughs> it's a hard balance yeah all right so we move out of post fan fest we come out of fan fest they've made new announcements about faction citadels and about new ai and all that kind of stuff and the the, the grand thing they're going to do is this blood raider satio a blood raider shipyard You'll be able to get it and get faction super caps if you are able to destroy it. But this thing is going to fight back in a big way. And so it ends up being in Blood Raider territory, which happens to be, what, Aquarius and Delve? Yeah, yeah Imperium base. Basically, I've we're done. in Imperium base. Yeah. So how'd that go early on, and, and, and what were the lessons learned? Well, we found out quickly that you could gimmick it with like some hilarious t1 frigate doctrines Mm -hmm. yeah and 
that upset CCP's devs who had worked on a long time on this feature and made a big deal about how massively great this feature was going to be and how advanced this AI was, and then we defeated it with basically newbie frigates. Yeah. Classic goon story. Yeah, and, they and, then, and then they then it was also bad because the loot could just be yoinked out from under you with like a scepter. And so it's like, okay, you have a you have an entire PvE mechanic in which no one who participate in it is rewarded at all. You don't get any bounties for shooting these rats. So like, what's the incentive for a guy to go join one of these fleets to attack this thing? Uh, okay, so yes, it drops loot, but you need to be able to have that loot to sell it to like divvy up the spoils between the people that participated. But like, if the loot can just be yoinked out from under you by a single guy on a hostile interceptor, then why should you run these to begin with? So it was like a massive belly flop failure uh, content launch on the part of CCP, which really put pie in their face because they had hyped it up so much. And that actually happened. Oh, right? but in, in, their, in their defense, right, the AI seemed to work if people were trying to scale up. It's just they did not expect anyone to do what goons did. Well, but people aren't going to whelp massive fleets into something just because it's there unless there's a legitimate reward for doing so. Especially the rats. Yeah, into rats. Who cares? But you get nothing for. Yeah, you get no nothing. The, the members on the fleet don't get anything for it. Some FC or leadership's going to get a blueprint, and then who knows what happens to the loot. In fact, at that time, the the leadership of the fleet was at a disadvantage. It was actually easier for a third party non participant in an interceptor to come and take it than it was for a fleet participant. Right. Because it doesn't spawn right there by you. So what's the incentive for us to run them if we know that test to whoever is just going to come in and try to steal it every time? So we stopped running them, and CCP had to uh, then you know sit back and think, oh wow, we've spent all of this development effort and we've hyped this up so much, and now no one even cares and no one's even running them. How did they end up fixing that? Increase the size, right? Yeah, they, 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 it was pretty fast. They dropped the in boxes that you have to loot with like a a T two hauler now be able to fit it in the hauler that's one thing they did and then they changed the whole mechanics of it and they did this other thing too where they they changed how it works on cc so you couldn't use cc as a test bed for learning how it works on tq so you couldn't figure out how to defeat it before my being too slang um, (laughs) they changed the test server so that you couldn't just use the test server to figure out how to defeat it. I don't know. Everybody who watches the meta show is pretty advanced, but it's, thank you for breaking that down for newer people. Yeah, and here just shows you some more. If this is in fact true, this just shows you further CCP anti-goon bias. A person in chat is saying that the Garistas one now pays every member who gets the fi- was in the final fleet and kills the Garista Sodio. You get a hundred million isk. Yeah, NPC bounty to each person who blows well, you it up. You don't have to say that's biased. You can just say that they're... Well, why doesn't the Blood Raider one get that one? I, if it if the Blood Raider does it and the Gristus does, that is... Yeah, yeah, that's pretty silly. I, but I if they just heard. added it onto all of them, then then that, that's development. I mean, it's, we're still yeah. running it, but and I haven't heard any of our guys saying they're getting that it bounty. Does not, it does not happen in the Blood Raiders. Yeah, so... But do we know it happens in the Gristus, or is it just some guy well, saying this? Well, some guy is saying this. I don't know if he's right or not. But and I don't know if is. that came from the FC or if that came from CCP. He's not being clear. Yeah. Robbie Bird, if you could clarify, please, in chat. But we see that as an evolution of the, some of the problems that you guys came across being addressed 
with the next faction that's using this kind of AI with a big shipyard kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so they'll need to replicate that back to the original one that you guys dealt with, which was the Blood Raiders, uh, Satios. So that's what's going on. Uh, so yeah, so after FanFest, there seems to be kind of a lull in in um, EVE. There's a lot of, uh, they're trying to get some PVE going and stuff. Uh, later, it will be announced that the next expansion will actually be PVE related. Uh, so they're doubling down on this kind of technology and stuff, but it kind of got off to a false start because it wasn't really well adapted uh, to the realities of uh, the players and how they could figure things out. But what's going on in May, June for war? Asher, you, you have any recollection? If not, I can try to throw some things out there. May, June, I don't remember anything happening. Yeah. A lot of times well, people I mean, are prepping for Alliance tournament at that time. Their FCs and key folks are busy, and they're they're not all about starting a new war. Mm -hmm. I'm not remembering anything though. Yeah, I was I was deep in alliance tournament prep at the time. So yeah. um, I mean, I know that I think that the try thing happened later. That's the only other really big war that happened this year. So yeah. was um was May and June when the, they did the uh, that one little mini tourney in order to get into the alliance tournament? Is that yep, is that the play in? Yeah. That was, and which was a really good idea, by the way, and yeah. very fun for us. We ran the the gauntlet, uh, and we're one of the, like there were like twenty eight or thirty two teams, who, um, you know, didn't win their first match, and then only four of those got in, and we we were one of the teams who did that. So that was a really good experience for us. Like we were really, I remember how excited we were in Amped when we won that. Yeah. So in May, uh, Test and uh, their friends, the Legacy Coalition, they're kind of solidifying the South. There's some movement back and forth, um, fighting among the area. Uh, by this point, Test has not necessarily run up to the North yet, um, but uh, people are experimenting and waiting to see what these uh, NPC changes are going to be like, and uh, that's what Imperium's wrestling with. And in the North, I think NC is... Uh, Probably at this point, maybe uh, starting to look at Placid and take over some towers there and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't know if they've ac they actually had deployed by this time. So June comes around. Uh, and in the game, CCP is announcing new forums. And um, let's see what else. Project Discovery hits. And there's another Satio that's actually taken out. Uh, and then there's a fix for this ugly thing called ghost training that is this mystical training uh, without paying for it kind of thing. And it's uh, something that CCP tried to fix. They thought they fixed it. It wasn't fixed. They tried several times to fix it. And it finally uh, it had just gotten um, to a boiling point at the exact same time that CCP is releasing these exclusive ships to people who went to FanFest. And they decide to release the ships to anybody who is at FanFest for every character that they had, I believe. Which means it was that, every yes. account. Okay, every account. Which means that for a typical person, they got one ship uh, for each, you know, one of three ships. But for a person who was farming ghosts, uh, ghost skill points and had a hundred accounts, they got a hundred ships. So that really uh, got people mad because here these people that are theoretically cheating are also being benefited by a hundred times what they should be because they're cheating. So it looked like a, it, 
it's just an impacted uh, wave of anger about ghost training and CCP mishandling the ships that they gave out for FanFest. So, yeah, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't just people that ghost trained, uh, people that have zombie farms. Exactly. I mean, right. So, it, so you could have a zombie farm and not be ghost training. Uh, but yeah, it, it, the, originally you were only supposed to get one ship uh, for going to uh, for for buying a ticket and going there, but instead, and then they they opened it up to like so if you, like for me I have three accounts so I got three ships, but that even that that was like kind of icky to me. It was like that wasn't right, and, and but I, I I'm guessing that somebody at, at CCP kind of screwed something up or the uh, connection between Eventbrite, the company that that uh, sells the tickets and CCP something happened there. So they went with uh, the, um, they went with the, uh, the email address as opposed to just the character. Something tells me that they didn't have that uh, uh, code reclaiming uh, functionality anymore, because that would have been so much easier to just put that in the actual goodie bag and then done. Yeah. Well, and so that created a, the, again, the spring or, early summer uh discontent uh that yeah, of mild discontent mild yeah. discontent and the reason I think it people was, were pretty angry about that one they were they, they yeah, were angry about that but they were also really angry about the nerfs to their income potential with the fighters being nerfed way back and the roracles getting their second nerf uh, that so was, was i think that's when um ccp quant quaint exactly also stepped Good in point. it with the whole 260 billion is tick super yeah. comment it was hold my beer yeah he jumped in to defend other devs and in the process created a bigger firestorm because he was denying there was a problem to the players the players were telling them that there was a problem and that caused a big stink and so then you had a lot of uh backlash against ccp they recognized it they tried to they they basically tried to message their way out of it they had an emergency csm meeting and said we recognize this is a problem we're going to communicate better etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a lot of things going on there the reason it's called the summer or the late spring of mild discontent which is probably coined by our, by our friend dirk mcgurk yes why did he call it that because everyone tried to compare it to the summer of rage and sure there were some uh similarities in frequency and number of people uh, being disgruntled, but it had nothing on the same level of scale when it comes to disappointment. This was more like uh, the whole whole my beer moment that uh, so many things were changing, so many things were kind of disappointing, but we were not working on some level of uh, huge promises where everyone just feels, yeah. Yeah, so, so it was kind of the veteran's way of making fun of the People, so some, the Summer of Rage happened in 2010. We covered it on Talking in Stations with Carneros, who was in the middle of it. And we, we talked a lot about it. We wrote an article about it that breaks it down. Noisy Gamer, Dirk McGurk and I uh, put research together and did a really thorough um, timeline of what it was that really made everybody mad. And so, uh, and, and so there was a comparison between what happened then and what was happening this year. Uh, because and things back were... then it was real rage, right? It was not the whole Reddit re-crowd. It was actual disappointment. This time around, it was more people being salty and bitchy and going to Reddit and making fun of uh, 
uh, flight noob on Reddit, right? Because uh, Quant has not really been posting much over there, and then suddenly he does that whole yeah mess yeah. thing, and then it just exploded into everyone just piling on. It's so, very different. Carneros, uh, tell us a little bit about the differences uh, between then and today. Well, dear Lord. <laughs> um, for, first of all, Quant is a great guy. He's yeah. a great guy. He's not very good. really well versed in the metagame. I still have backup trucks in the background, and I, my apologies. The movement that keeps uh, starting to place. Real quick, I'm I'm gonna have to drop off because my son just woke up. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry one. about that. Okay, yeah, man. he's he's gonna be screaming uh, in the background here if I don't go. So uh, go, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, go for it. All right, thanks, it. guys. Have a, uh, thanks, a good to talk to everyone. All right, thank you, All right, so Quant's a great guy. Um, you know, wonderful, big heart. He doesn't he doesn't have any idea what he's about to say by saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the some of the folks who were doing public talking. Um, was it CCP Zulu? What was his name? It started with a Z. It was Zulu. Zulu. Now he does know what's going on. And CCP Soundwave didn't expect to cause any problems either. He didn't he thought he was just doing internal conversation at the request of HR to write a, an internal position piece in an internal company newsletter. And it wasn't his opinion. He got asked to, he got assigned, we're going to write two sides of this. You do this side, you do that side. He didn't pick a side. I mean, he wrote a, a rebuttal on request for, you know, is, is greed good? Was yeah, you're talking side. about 2010 now, the old, yeah. Yeah, it was an amazing internal letter. I thought it was so funny and it was meant to be funny and he it was, was just misconstrued. By the player base, it was horrible, yeah. and someone was spinning it madly to get the response that we got. So yeah, and there, yeah, there was some there was some dirtiness happening uh, around all that too, because the people spinning it knew that wasn't his opinion, that wasn't what he was saying, and they knew they were deliberately trying to make him look bad, like like look like American politics. It was ridiculous, and you had all the bad blood still uh, underneath the hood from the T20 incident yeah. and all that stuff. So there was just a lot of uh, incentive to spin it uh, specifically to hurt CCP. Yeah. Yeah. So this, so let me so just, there, yeah, there were yeah. some bad thing. There were some, you know, mistakes be made, but it was, it was, it was a case where in the summer of rage, they had, people had had their hopes brought up really, really high. Especially with things like uh, the promises of walking in stations, the whole carbon engine thing, all of that was just in the air. And we were basically all hoping to get something amazing. And we got the captain's quarters, which is basically a rubber cell that can't actually do anything. And, where and you just NEX. do walking back and forth. You can't even run or anything. It was, it was horrible. And everyone was disappointed about something. Okay, so yeah. I don't want to go too far back into that. Uh, go ahead, Carnot, okay. wrap, wrap up what you're th- saying. Wrap up. Okay, so yeah, no, the scale of disappointment and shock and surprise and everything was huge, as as opposed to a Rorqual nerf and a fighter nerf, dude. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, of course, Carnot's own topic, which was the whole Monocle gate and the pricing on the microtransaction, and it was in an age when 
the whole thing of free to play and micro uh, transactions and monetization was very hot and it's also why the whole greed is good uh, thing exploded so much because everyone was afraid that this was going to be something that could actually destroy eve and bring in gold armor and gold guns and pay to win right again we've we've set expectations really really high that you're going to get this thing called incarna on launch day the only thing ready is the store and the monocle was the most obvious thing to see and it was overpriced because these people are admittedly experimenting with little microtransactions not knowing how they works not trying to make money from it but they're just experimenting to try to learn and it was the only thing in the spotlight at the time that everyone was looking for the, what's in the spotlight bad idea right so that that happened and that was the real rage uh and that was 2011 the summer of 2011 it actually started in 2010 and that's what we show and then it rolls into the spring and then into the summer of 2011 so we'll go on from there. That's the, the rage of 2011, not comparable to the rage of 2017, as seen by veteran players, but it does generate a lot of anger, and that's what's going on this summer in June. Overall, for the games industry, don't overhype your game. Even if you think it's the best thing since life spread, don't overhype it. I'm going to tip my head down so you can see my hat. Don't <laughs> overhype your game. In EVE, we do have a term for not overhyping, and that's called torfy phobia, uh, which uh, which is because Torfi um, CCP Torfi, yeah, he was CCP very Torfi France, yeah, and he was very famous at FanFest for always overpromising, and then when uh, CCP Seagull took over, she kind of like put her foot down and he stopped. Well, but it was also one of the really good selling points of the game that you had these grand visions. And of course, they could never deliver. But we always, when we got used to getting at least halfway there, but this time we didn't get anywhere near the target, right? That's why it was a perfect storm because you also had the financial crisis fallout and you had all the layoffs and all all these things. So it was not comparable. I actually missed Torfi France and the big vision. I, I didn't He's still around. He has not left. Yeah. He's part of the company. Yeah, okay, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, later. Sure. I know uh, he's in uh, New York, right, doing marketing stuff. I think no, he's in I Seattle know. now. All right, yeah, never mind what he's doing. Yeah, July. We're barely in July, and you can see it already took an hour and a half. We just lost Asher, which sucks because he's a great uh, voice. From we lost Asher and Tuzzy basically, but I guess they're staying in chat here. So let's go move on to uh, July where CCV does CCP does a revamp of T3s. Um, they basically announce, and this is a little bit timely, the retiring of Captain's Quarters. So walking in stations, the dream vanishes. We know they're no longer going to, because they did at the time say they might iterate on it, maybe expand it slowly. It's kind of a side development. All that goes away when they say Captain Quarters are going away. So that was I think that's why it's uh, almost the reverse, right? We've gotten a lot of things yanked out of the game uh, this year. Um, and in the past, it was the promises of things to come into the game. So it's actually the almost the opposite. We've lost the, the in-game browser. We've uh, lost captain's quarters. There's just a lot of things that's just getting scrapped. They scrapped, um, uh, what's it called? The, the, the Facebook, Facebook. Yeah. All right. So Eve they... Gate. Yeah, right. A lot of that stuff is gone. In fact, new forums have just, uh, at this time, have just come in to replace the old forums that weren't really working. 
you're right, EveGate is canceled. The wiki is canceled. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the support stuff they had built uh, tends to go away. And CCP is reforming, trying to compete with uh, the likes of Reddit with a, a much more open policy on their forums so people can get at each other a little more and maybe make it more interesting in the game. And then this... the whole Crest and API and ESI, they, they've done a lot of uh, right. developing and improvement and speeding things up. It's also why I personally tinfoil that they must be doing something on the side with all of this stuff because I don't think you just put it in a, in a, on a shell or in a cupboard. All right, put, put the tinfoil away. Let's go on to July. Hard Knocks kills the first wormhole Keepstar. Uh, that was a big deal because didn't think a Keepstar could be killed inside a wormhole space, but they managed to do it. Uh, the agency goes live um, and test deploys to the north, and there seems to be some summer activity going on, and that's uh, what was going on there. Test deploys north to try to attack... Um, the Guardians of the Galaxies, they stage out of Drone Region Federation. That is a key move that will lead to uh, people, uh, retribution from Guardians of the Galaxy after test leaves. Um, so you have that happening. And the an initiative uh, online is a keep star in Aquarius. So it seems like a lot of stuff in Nullsec going on at that point. Then the summer is... And then you get the Northern Kerfuffle, right? Well, I don't know what that is. What's a northern... That's the whole move up north uh, just before initiative moves back home, right? Well, what happened with Test, and this is where Asher had been really valuable, you have... Uh, we went to Hakonin, that thing? Yeah, yeah. You went to Hakonin to basically say, we're going to mess with the north uh, now the that Delvis was The best part of that yeah. was the, was the uh, intro video with the lighting of the beacons of Amonsul and of the beacons of Gondor. And they yeah, and, uh, and they're keeping everything under the hood and only releasing uh, the destination in the last minute. I thought that was a fantastic video. Uh, so you have goons up there, you have Test up there. Goons try to take out Killer Bees, one of his faction titans. Doesn't end well. They end up losing a lot of stuff that they really wanted to whelp because they were on their way home. So Goonswarm then comes back down to, uh, to Delve, and then you have Test come back down in order to defend uh, DRF. We will pick up the second six months of 2017 on Talking In Stations. Okay, Thank Carneros, you. thanks very much for showing up. Thanks to the other guys. We'll see Fly you guys. safe, guys. <laughs>